The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection. And today's show uh, is really exciting for me because it is all about purpose. And I think that very often in leadership, we have lost our sense of purpose. And I recently did a program with a, a group of leaders in Arizona. And one of the things that I asked them is, what is your purpose? And it was so interesting because people stumbled, they thought, they weren't really sure exactly what their purpose was. And then they came out with a lot of what I would call platitudes, make life better for others, uh, help my team. But then when you ask them, what does that really mean and what does that really look like, people got confused again. And so I think central to leadership is really this whole notion of purpose. Now, it's not new. Um, There have been people who have done a lot of research and work around the idea of purpose. But I think in the world to come, a central part of all good leaders is to really get a grip on what their purpose or raison d'etre is. So that leads me to my guest today. Um, I was at, you've heard me mention this many times because I've had a lot of people from uh, the Soundview Authors Summit uh, on my show. And I ran into Lisa Earl McLeod uh, at the summit. And actually, she was interviewing uh, my very good friend, Marshall Goldsmith, whom, by the way, is having his book launching party in New York City next week, and um, I'm flattered and thrilled to be invited, and I'll be there uh, next week seeing him. But anyway, Lisa was interviewing Marshall uh, for a segment that she was doing, and I had the great pleasure of meeting her. I then scratched more than just the surface and found that Lisa is the author of numerous wonderful books. She's a TEDx speaker. She coined the phrase noble purpose and helped people think about how to be customer-centric rather than profit-centric. Now, that sounds very simple. You know, every company I go to says, oh, we're, you know, you've got to be customer-centric. But then you look at their cultures and you look at what they do and you look at what the re- they reward. 
And you know they're they're not customer centric, and they're not really encouraging their employees to be customer centric. What they really are is profit centric, and you know people see through that relatively quickly. But I think Lisa was really able to uncover the whys, the hows, and what it means to really be customer centric. She has a new book coming out uh, in January. Leading with Noble Purpose, and I really cannot wait to see the book. Um, I'm sure it's going to be on my bookshelves, and Lisa, I hope I get a signed copy of it. So uh, with that, let me introduce my guest. So thank you so much for joining the show today, Lisa. Oh, it's great to be on with you. Yeah, well, I'm just, just thrilled to have you. And you know, I'd like to start the discussion with you telling the story of how you switched you really have a sales background and to to a certain degree but how you switched um and how you discovered this concept of noble purpose it's a great story interesting because as you say it's been around for a while and my background is in sales and i run a sales consulting firm and several years ago a biotech company hired my team and i to study their salespeople. And what we wanted to do was identify what were the things that the top performers did differently. And so we were looking at a lot of behaviors. We did um, interviews with them. But the interesting thing about the study is this was a biotech company, so they were based in science. So our study was a double-blind study. My team and I did not know who the top performers were and who the average performers were. We just knew that we weren't out in the field with any performers. And so as we studied these folks and looked at, you know, how much time they spent on this and that, what did they talk about, what were their backgrounds, we were near the end of the study, and I was with one representative in Phoenix, Arizona. We'd been together for two days. She was dropping me off at the airport. We had a couple minutes. And so I asked her a question that I hadn't asked anybody else before. I said, what do you think about when you go on sales calls? I will never forget her Great question. Yeah, what a great about? question. Your head? And so she looks at me in the car and she says, well, I don't tell this to very many people, but I always think about that one patient, this patient, this older woman. She said, one day I was standing in one of the doctor's offices waiting to speak to the doctor and this little old lady comes up and taps me on the shoulder and the representative said she was wearing her suit and a name badge with her company name on it and the little old lady says excuse me, are you the representative for this drug company? And she said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, little old lady looked up at me and said, well, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for giving me my life back. Because prior to taking this drug, I couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. Now I can get on a plane. I can fly across the country and visit my grandkids. I can get down on the floor and play with them. So thank you for giving me my life back. And she said, "Touching story. Know, wow, it's amazing. Yeah." And and she's telling me this. She's getting all emotional, and she says, "That woman. That's my higher purpose. I think about her every day. That's why I do this job." She said, "Rainy Friday afternoon. Other sales reps go home. I don't. I think about her, and I make the extra sales call." Mm. And so wow. the interesting thing, you know, for me was. You know, we'd been looking at discrete behaviors, but what I realized in that moment was this sense of overarching noble purpose actually translates into hundreds of behaviors that drive top performance. And so after that conversation with her, 
I went back through the transcripts of all the other interviews we'd done with all the other reps, and I was looking for people who exhibited this sense of higher purpose, what I now call noble purpose. And so I looked through all the interviews, and I found it. I found it in five people. Um, one representative talked about, you know, my father was a doctor, and the doctor's job is a lot harder than people realize. I want to help make the doctor's life easier. Another representative talked about how she was just so excited about science, and she loved going into people's offices and sharing the science with them. And so I found five people. They didn't use the word purpose, but they alluded to it. And so at the end of the study, the biotech company said, can you tell us who the top representatives are? And I said, it's these five. And I was 100% right. And the one Wow. And so they were the top performers as well? They were the top performers. So they were the top performers. Yeah. Not really as well. It's a direct causation. Correlation. It is not just correlation. Mm. It is causation. And that one representative who'd spoken in such a compelling way about this patient was the number one representative three years in a row. And so for me, that moment was a turning point, and I decided to study this across organizations. And I can tell you the data could not be more clear. And there's there's two, two pieces of data I want to share with you that are relevant to everyone who's listening to this. Anyone who's a little bit squishy about sales or a little bit ambivalent or feels like sales is kind of a dirty, nasty thing, let me share this with you. Salespeople who truly want to make a difference in the lives of their customers, who have what I call a noble purpose, who sell with noble purpose, outperform the salespeople who are just focused on targets and quotas. Oh, I'm not surprised at that at all. I'm, of course. I'm absolutely... Uh, so, so what does selling with noble purpose look like? What does it look well, like when somebody's doing that? So, so it's twofold. So I know you're not surprised. So I want to share the second piece, and then I'll talk to you about how they work together. So the other okay. piece of data is organizations that have a stated purpose of improving their customers' lives, and the word stated is really important here, who make improving the lives of their customers, the centerpiece of their strategy, those organizations outperform the market by almost 400%. So so what does that look like? There's two elements of it. One is the organization element and one is the individual element. So I'll do the individual element first. It doesn't matter who you work for. You work for yourself. You're an entrepreneur. You work for a big company. Every time you go out to make a sales call, do business development, whatever you're going to talk about, whatever language you want to use to describe it, every time you do that, you have a choice. And your choice is, am I here to improve life for this other person that I'm talking about? And is every thought and every behavior around how can I add more value to this person? Or am I here to simply close business for myself? And it's, it's really interesting because I work with sales executives all over the country, and they always say, I want my people to be better closers. And the reality is the people, you know, the old ABCs always be closing. No one likes that. Right. It doesn't work. You don't like to be approached that way. And so we have this odd disconnect where no one wants to be approached that way, but they think that's what's required to get business, and it's not. If you approach your business – With this noble purpose, the idea, and so like in our organization, we have a really clear noble purpose, and I'll talk about what this means organizationally. Ours is we help leaders drive revenue and do work that makes them proud. That is why we are in business. 
everything we do is directed against how can I help this company or this person make money and do work they're proud of. And so because of that, we ask different questions because it's all around understanding where they are and where they want to go. And so it takes a lot of the pressure off, oh, my gosh, I have to close this. Now, you do need to learn how to ask for the business, but if you're focused on the customer, it's not hard. So so from a an individual standpoint, selling with noble purpose requires that you have absolute clarity about what I call your NSP, your noble sales purpose. How can you improve the con- customer's condition? And you need to know that before you come in so that then when you're with that potential client, you're figuring out how you can do it specifically for them. You know, it seems to me, uh, which is why I think you're writing your next book, is that, you know, everybody, regardless, you know, you focus this on sales, but everybody, regardless, is working with others in some form or fashion to move something forward. Either it's a project, it's, uh, you know, an idea, whatever it happens to be. And so, you know, being having that clarity about how you can improve things is really important, regardless of whether you're in sales or not. Well, and that is why I'm writing the next book. So I wrote this book, Selling with Noble Purpose, and it was very successful. Here's what I noticed. I had people, a lot of people calling me, a lot of people adopted the methodology. But what I noticed is when they just did it in sales, it was successful, but it wasn't nearly as successful as when the senior leadership team adopted it and they infused it in every level of the business. And, you know, a lot of people talk about being customer-centric, but I actually don't like that language, to tell you the truth. Because what happens So uh, I want to hold that thought. I want to hold that thought when we come back from break because I really want to delve into customer-centricity. So so let's hold that and... uh, it's time for us to break. So stay with us. We're talking with Lisa Earl McLeod, and we're going to talk about what it really means to be customer centric. And she's going to lay out for us the methodology she uses in sales and how it relates to the leadership team. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm the host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection. And with me today is Lisa Earl McLeod. Lisa has written several really great books. Uh, she's an expert in sales and sales leadership. She has a consultancy around that. And actually, she's expanded her work into leadership in general. And as we were talking about in the last uh, segment, the studies that she's done have really shown a direct cause, causal relationship between noble purpose and actually outperforming others who don't operate with a noble purpose. Just before we broke, we were talking about customer centricity and also Lisa's methodology. And so Lisa, so let's delve more deeply into customer centricity. And you were saying you just don't like that word. I don't like that word either. I think it's so totally overused, but so say more about that. Well, here's what happens. Companies say, we're going to be customer-focused, and what they wind up being is very reactive because then everyone in the company thinks, oh, we have to do whatever the customer says. And my belief is the customer's not always right. You know, Henry Ford very famously said, if I'd asked them what they wanted, they'd have asked for faster horses. And so customer centricity says everything's going to be lined up behind the customer. And so it sounds good in theory, but what I do with my clients instead is we craft what we call a noble sales purpose, which is more than just we're going to all be customer-centric. It's how we're going to do it. So I'll give you an example. I work with a very large travel company. They're the world's largest travel company. They're called Flight Center. They're based out of um, Melbourne, Australia. They're a global company. Um, One of their brands in the U.S. is Liberty Travel, which many people know. And so they launched this global noble purpose initiative. And we started with crafting their noble sales purpose. And their noble sales purpose is we care about delivering amazing travel experiences. And so that then becomes the gestalt of their business. It's not saying we are going to be customer-centric. It's being really specific, and it's we're going to sh- the words are really important. We're going to show we care. We're going to deliver, so there's a lot of operational issues, and the travel experiences are going to be amazing. And so what that requires is not just that you, example, a customer calls in and says, I want to do this and this. A customer-centric company would go, sure, let me do that for you. But Flight Center would say, let's pause for a minute and talk about why you want to take that trip and what elements of it would be amazing and how we can make it more amazing. And so it really makes you proactive rather than this reactive do everything the customer wants because then then what happens is you might have good customer service, but it won't be differentiated. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. You know, before we broke, uh, you said something else that you discovered, which is how you got this nexus to uh, leading with a noble purpose, that while it worked in sales, it worked much better if the leadership team also was engaged. So, so tell me more about that. 
Yeah, because one of the things we see, and and I'll give you a couple of different examples. Flight Center's one, the CEO of that company, a guy named Graham Turner, stands up on stage at their big international conference and says, this is what our company is about. We care about delivering amazing travel experiences. And so then it goes into every department. In product development, the challenge is, what can we do to make the experiences more amazing? How can we deliver them better operationally? Where are glitches? It even goes into finance, where they start talking about, how are we billing our customers? What's their experience? What kinds of reports are we creating for our team? Do they enable them to care about customers more, or is it having a chilling effect? And so what happens is, when you, oftentimes, you will have sales or whoever the customer contact people are, they are, when they're the only ones bringing the voice of the customer back into the organization, you tend to have silos, and they're beating their head against other departments going, but the customer says, but the customer says, and it's not productive. But when you look across a, a global or, you know, even a small organization and you have that clarity, then everyone's lined up not just to do what the customer wants, but to do what you said as an organization you were going to achieve for the customer. So we have, for example, we have um, another client that's in not quite as sexy a business as travel. They make air dryers that take the moisture out of the brakes on trains and heavy vehicles. And the group of people that are in the leadership team are engineers. And what we realized was they knew this, but the big aha was when you take the moisture out of the brakes on trains, it's really a safety issue because if there's moisture in the brakes on a train, it'll freeze up and it'll lock up. And it and so it can be dangerous. And so what we came up with for their noble purpose was we make transportation safer, faster, and more reliable. And so that's infused product development, where product development now, the mantra is safer, faster, more reliable. What can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And so it's created this esprit de corps in the company that goes into every level. I love that. Uh, and, and I can see how that really makes a difference because obviously, you know, we've all lived in companies where the salespeople come back and they say, you know, this is what the customer wants, this is what the customer wants, and it becomes finger pointing. But when it becomes pervasive as part of the DNA, sort of that noble purpose, then everybody's thinking in that direction. And that's a huge shift. So how do you help a company? Uh, Go ahead, Lisa. Well, the thing the thing that's really interesting is, think about this, and we'll go back to safer, faster, more reliable. If the salesperson comes back and yeah. says the customer wants this, it has to be held up against that litmus test of, will this make it safer, faster, more reliable? And if it won't, we tell the customer no. Yeah. That's right. That's a big difference. And it's okay to tell the customer no, by the way. it's okay. You know, as you, as, yep. Yeah, you've already communicated. We're here to help make your transportation safer, faster, more reliable. And so if you're coming back to us saying you need to cut this, cut this, cut this, we have a case to go back to you and say we can't do that because here's the impact. And so it gives salespeople a lot more confidence. And so they can't just come back and say, hey, customer wants this because the head of product development is going to go, is that safer, faster, more reliable? Explain it to me. Yeah. Why is it safer, more faster, more reliable? You know, that that's really great. Now, how do you make the nexus between, you know, like an organizational purpose and an individual leader's noble purpose? 
So I'm glad you asked that question because it's the, these are two things that have to be in absolute alignment. And if I were to hazard a guess, I bet most of the people listening to this have seen that very famous Simon Sinek video about find your why. And so right. here's here's the way I explain it to people. The why is always very personal. So, for example, I share with you that my organization, our consulting firm, our noble purpose is we help leaders drive revenue and do work that makes them proud. And it's really personal for me because I, in a past life, ran a business that wasn't making money. And I know that when your business is not making money, you are not your best person. It's not fun. It's no right. fun. You're not a good leader. You're not a good partner. You're not a good parent because all you're thinking about every day is money. And so that's why, despite, you know, our name is Selling with Noble Purpose, but this is the sales part of that. So we help people make money. I also, it's very personal for me to help leaders do work that they can be really proud of because I want people to love their job. And so for me, that why is a backstory that's really personal. The help leaders do work that makes them proud and drive revenue, that's what we do. And so I have two choices as an organization. I can say we're a sales leadership consultancy, which we are, but that's just a description that people understand. But what we actually do is help leaders drive revenue and do work that makes them proud. Then the how we do it is through consulting and assessments and leadership development and all those kinds of things. And so the thing that I would encourage people to do is at an organizational level, it is critical that you have clarity of purpose. That is what you do. And everyone in the organization should have the same purpose. At an individual level, it's your backstory about why that matters to you. And so one of the things that people I often hear is people say, well, I can't get my boss on board with this. And so what I would say is right. don't wait. Do not wait. <laughs> Identify for yourself. How do we make a difference in the lives of our customers and craft your own noble purpose and then make sure it's something that resonates with you personally? And, you know, sometimes I've found if, if it doesn't, if your noble purpose or your deep down personal why does not, is not able to come out in the company that you're in, you may well be in the wrong company. You, you very well may be in the wrong company. And, and the thing that I would say, though, is so there's an interesting thing that happens here is I often have people write me emails, and the email goes, you know, kind of something like this. Dear Lisa, I'm the top performer with XYZ Company. I'm the trip club winner. I believe in noble purpose. I've always thinking about how I can improve life for my customers. But what do you think the but is? Dot, dot, dot. My boss won't let me do whatever. Exactly. Yeah. But my boss only yeah. cares about the numbers. So I'm getting this email right. like for six months, the same email from a lot of people, and I did not have a good answer. I mean, what do I say? Well, good luck with that. And so I thought, I right. to, if, you know, if I'm really serious about my noble purpose, I've got to come up with a better answer. So I started writing people back and saying, um, I tell you what, send me your boss's um, name and address, and I'll send him a book. And so I started sending these books. Well, now here's where it really gets freaky. Then I start getting these emails from the bosses that said, Lisa, this is what I've always believed, but. Ah, uh, but. I can't my get boss, my team on board. Absolutely. No, or I can't right, get my team on board. Right, I can't get board. my team on board. 
And so what's interesting, ah, interesting. Yeah, so what's interesting is we measure our inside against everyone else's outside. And so yeah, that's so a lot important. of times we assume that our boss doesn't care about customers or doesn't care about the patients or doesn't care about the users or whatever the case may be because the narrative of business is about numbers. And so the question yeah. is, you know, you don't do you really know what makes your boss's heart beat? Because a lot of times we don't, and we assume that because we have this thing inside of us, we may not be giving voice to it either, but we assume because he or she isn't giving voice to it that they don't care. And what I found is in most cases that's not right. You know, and it goes back to uh, another colleague, a person that you and I both know is, you know, David Noor and this building relationships. And what is sad about all of that is that, about that story that you told is that the boss does not have enough of a relationship with his or her employees and the employees don't have enough of a relationship to understand what makes them tick. So they're having conversations that are really not at the heart of what they're all about. And that's a sad commentary, isn't it? It is. And the employee is just as empowered to change that conversation as the boss is. So Absolutely. One of the things that I coach employees Absolutely. On is when your boss is sitting down saying, "What are your sales numbers? What are your results?" You know, speak the language of your company. Then say, "I want to take a minute here. Can we pause? I want to tell you about what's behind this. I want to tell you a story about Which one is, of our customers." And, and we're, we're going to hold that has a right to do that. We're hold that thought because we are coming up on break, and uh, want to talk about next. Uh, how you change that conversation, because I get the same kind of questions from people all the time. So I think it's very, very important what we're going to be talking about next. Stay with us. We're talking about how you change the conversation to really get behind the why and create that noble purpose, not only for yourself, the teams you work with, and the people that are leading you. Stay with us. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now... Back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. 
Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection. And with me today is Lisa Earl McLeod, written numerous books, done lots of really outstanding research on purpose, noble purpose, and the impact that that can have. And we were just talking about, I'm sure everybody on this on this show has been in a circumstance where folks say, you know, oh, well, I, I wish I could do that, but my boss or my company, all they care about is numbers. And, you know, my boss thinks that's too soft or that's too squishy. And I've had the same experience as you, Lisa, that when you really get down to having a conversation, I might ask it in a slightly different way, that people really do have a why behind what they're doing and and a, and a larger vision of what they're trying to achieve. So that's where we just left off. So tell me about how you can change that conversation and some tips that you were starting to get into to change that conversation with your boss so that you can get into that common sense of purpose. So it's interesting because I encounter this cognitive dissonance all the time where people say, well, I want to do it, but my boss doesn't. And the boss says, well, I want to do it, but my people aren't on board. And I had an experience a good long time ago because I kept trying to figure out why does everyone think that they're the only one who cares about this? Why do they have this perception that the other people only care about money? And I want to be also really clear here. This is about making money. This is about making a difference and making money at the same time. And the data shows that the bigger difference you make, the more money you make. But there's this cognitive dissonance around we often believe we're the only one who cares. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking back to an experience I had when my daughter was much younger. I spent um, every other Friday, I worked in her kindergarten class as the parent helper for just a couple hours. And, you know, you'd staple stuff, help the kids, you know, put their stuff together, just whatever the teacher asked you to do. But this particular Friday was close to Mother's Day, and they were finishing up their Mother's Day projects. And these are kindergartners, and I knew them pretty well by then because I'd been there all year. And the teacher had asked them, what are your mommy's favorite things to do? And so they had made a little booklet of their mommy's favorite things to do. And they'd colored Uh-oh, it. Oh, that could be risky. Oh, it <laughs> that is. could be very, very. risky. <laughs> so my job was to staple the books together and put this little ribbon on them. So naturally, of course, I read them. And book after book said the same thing. My mommy loves to clean and my mommy loves to sleep. And I'm thinking, who are these women? What on earth? And so I started asking the kids, you know, tell me about your mom. You know, she loves to clean and sleep. You know, why do you, why do you think those are her favorite things? And they all said almost the same thing. I said, well, she's always saying we have got to clean up around here. It's so messy. We've got to clean up. She's always talking about how we have to clean up. And if she's not saying that, she's saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. So those must be her favorite things. And so this was like a light bulb moment for me because what it says is the words of the leader matter. Whatever the leader talks about the most is what people are going to assume the leader cares about the most. And so the, the way that you change this narrative in your company is you start to tell a different story. And again, money matters. But one of the things that I coach executives on, and so I've had a lot of CEOs be really successful with this, is they'll be at the annual meeting, and it's expected that they're going to put up an earnings chart and they're going to put up stock price. And what I coach them on is when they put up that earnings chart, 
to say, let me tell you how many customers that represents. And let me tell you a story about one of them. And so, you know, one executive that I work with is in the software business, and they make software for the nonprofit space. And so he puts up his same chart that everybody expects with, you know, all the numbers on it. And he said, so let's take in that $25 million. That represents hundreds of thousands of customers. And he had the exact number, and he said, and now I'm going to tell you a story about one of them. And so he tells this really compelling story. And it's software. You know, they didn't change the world or heal the sick. Yeah. But they, he said, let me tell you about how this company is working better. Let me tell you about how they're more efficient. Let me tell you about how this person's happier because they're not ready to throw their computer out the window. He said, so when you look at that graph up there, I want you to see 175,000 people just like that. Yeah, that that's is great that are happy. entirely different conversation. And if you're a product development guy or a sales rep and you're listening to that, you're thinking, wow, my company is so cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's very difficult, you know, as you know, I do a lot of executive coaching as well. And to get leaders to switch, I've often coached leaders to not put charts up at all, uh, if they have to put one up, but, you know, to tell the stories are so powerful. That's what translates the culture uh, to the organization. Now, what, what role do you think culture plays in this, Lisa? Culture is everything, and that's one of the things that is 100% within the leader's control. It's challenging to move the needle on culture quickly, but you can move the needle on culture faster than you can move the needle on market conditions. And so, you know, that's one of the things that I always tell leaders is, you know, what's going on outside your space is not in your control, but your culture is within your control. And so, you know, there's one exercise that I always do with senior executive teams, and it's they need to answer three questions about their business. They need to answer, number one, how do you make a difference in the lives of your customers? And they need to spell it out, not some generic value proposition where they go, we provide the resources, blah, 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 blah. No, they need to spell it uh, out. How boring is that, right? Yeah. How are you improving the lives of your customers? How do you make a difference? The second thing is, how do you do it differently than your competition? And, you know, a lot of companies might not have really clear, definable, competitive differentiation in their product, but the way they do business can be different. And then the third thing is, on your best day, what do you love about your job? Because when a leadership team can answer those three questions, that's the basis. We use that to craft their noble sales purpose, but the answers to those three questions become the narrative of your organization, and that becomes how you start to cast the culture. Yeah, I absolutely love that. That's a great, you know, on your best day, what do you love about your job? You know, I often ask people, you know, on peak performance, what do you like? But that's a twist on this, on your best day, what do you love about your job? And if it comes out, not a lot. <laughs> do you ever have that, Lisa, where, where people? Well, the numbers that we see about employee disengagement are an all-time yeah. high. 55% of people don't like their jobs. Right. That means if you're sitting next to somebody on a plane, one of the two of you hates your job. And, you know, one of the things right. I say is we're measuring this employee disengagement or, and we're really looking at the wrong thing. Disengagement is a symptom. 
And what happens is right. people put it up on a spreadsheet, and they say, well, we've got this level of engagement, this level of disengaged, uh, we've got this much market share, and they treat it as a business statistic. It is not. You know, 55% of people is a lot of people. And what it means is, it is. you have over half of our population right now finds no sense of meaning in their job. And that is costing us a lot more than money. It is costing us everything. And it really is a twofold responsibility. It is a clear leadership failure. If people find no meaning in their job, that is absolutely a leadership failure. The leader's job right. is to bring meaning to the work. Having said that, I've also worked in organizations where I've seen individuals can craft their own story. And and in any organization, you're going to have some people that are fully throttle engaged and other people that are not. You're going to have people that find great sense of purpose and meaning in their job and those that aren't. And so, you know, the thing I always tell individual performers is, are you really going to wait for your boss to put this forth? I mean, how long are you going to live your life miserable? Or are you right. going to bring this to your job that you have today right now? Because you're going to be better and you're going to be happier. So why would you wait for your boss? That doesn't make any sense. Right. It doesn't. Absolutely. So a uh, question for you. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen in, in, in getting people to shift the context? There's two key challenges. The first is the narrative about a business is quantitative and uninspiring. So everything that goes back and forth is numbers and spreadsheets and terse emails. So the narrative of business becomes this very cold thing that makes it hard to engage in. So that's the first challenge, is the absence of compelling stories in business. And that is something that you can change. The second challenge is a really personal human challenge. And it's the challenge of bringing meaning to tasks that seem less than meaningful. And this affects us in every area of our lives. You know, there's not a parent alive who hasn't looked back on certain situations and thought, was I just emotionally absent for that whole period of time? You know, there's not a parent alive who hasn't wanted to be emotionally engaged with their kids, but then they find themselves just going through the motion, going, let's just get this done, people. And so so the second challenge is a really human challenge. And the good news of that is the work on changing that all takes place within yourself. And it's about telling yourself a very different story. And so I remember a, a situation Oh, this is a long time ago, like 16, 17 years ago, when I was working for a training company, and I was doing seminars for them. It wasn't my content. It was theirs. And I went around. I had to do the same seminar over and over and over again. And I had gotten in, like, really late the night before. I was in Chicago. You know, I'd gotten in at, like, 2 in the morning. I had to wake up early, and I just was not feeling it. I was like, oh, my God, if I can just get through today and give this seminar and get home. And I was in the bathroom beforehand, like in the stall where, you know, you couldn't see me. And 
these two women come into the bathroom, and I hear them talking, and one says, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Do you know I was on the waiting list for like six months? And the other goes, yeah, I've been lobbying my boss for a year to come. Boy, this is going to be just such a big deal for me, you know, because I really want to take the next step in my career. And they're talking about how, like, this is the biggest event ever, and they're so excited. And it means And you're like, leading the, the program, and all of a sudden, oops, <laughs> I, I better get my focus together. And, and so I'm sitting there, and I think, God, I'm horrible. You know, I've been just like going through the motions yeah. with this. And so to me, that was a, that was an example of a real wake-up call that when you focus on the people who benefit from your actions, whether they are there or not, you can bring more meaning to your day-to-day. Yeah, and which makes you so much more personally satisfied in what you're trying to do. And you're happy. Wonderful. I mean, we're 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 coming up uh, where break in uh, is is on us and uh, Lisa we did get a uh, email question in so um, stay with me uh, we have a question from Lisa actually L I Z A from San Francisco uh, about vision versus purpose so stay okay. with us we're interviewing Lisa Earl McLeod and we have a question from email and uh, we'll stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection, and we're having a very good and spirited discussion about things that we all can identify in, in, in the workplace and how do you switch the context to really have that meaningful conversation about, you know, 
what's the why and what's the purpose behind what you're trying to do? And Lisa uh, clearly has a lot of experience in this in this area and has a consultancy uh, around this. I would encourage you to look at her website, uh, Lisa Earl McLeod. Um, really great stuff. But anyway, Lisa, we have an email in from another Lisa with a Z uh, who wants to know, you know, there's a lot of discussion about vision uh, and now this whole notion of purpose. What do you see as the difference between vision and purpose? Well, and which matters? Clear and distinct differences. And so here's the way that I explain it in the book, in Simon Noble Purpose. We talk about purpose is the difference you're trying to make. Mission is how you do it. And vision is how you see the world after you're done. And so I'll give you an example. This is the example I use in the book. Southwest Airlines, pretty famous example. Their purpose is we are democratizing the skies. So what they mean is they're giving people the chance to fly that wouldn't otherwise have it. Their mission is they democratize the skies by keeping fares low and spirits high. And their vision is I see a world in which everyone in America has the chance to go and see and do things they've never dreamed of, where everyone has the ability to fly. And so what I want you to notice that is purpose trumps everything. And so I want to make a couple comments about vision and mission. Most of the mission statements I read, some people call them vision, some people call them mission. It doesn't matter because most of them are terrible and irrelevant. This is totally true. Yeah. We want to be the number one provider of end-to-end services in the communities. we Blah, blah, blah. Well, the first mistake in that one, we want to be number one, that's not a purpose. That's your internal sales right. goal. That's not an end game. We want to be number one in the markets we serve, and we want to serve uh, customers, employees, shareholders, stakeholders, blah, 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 blah. No, that is boring. I wrote an article for Forbes about the big GM debacle. If you look at GM's mission statement, you can see exactly why they had a safety issue. Because in their mission statement are like six different audiences, stakeholders, countries, blah, 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 and shareholders. And everyone knows which one trumps everything else, shareholders. And so my premise is if GM had had a really clear purpose statement, like we make safe, sexy cars that thrill people, they wouldn't have had a problem. Well, there's an interesting concept. Absolutely clear. Hmm? Yeah, I, I mean that's an interesting concept. I actually kind of love that statement. Yeah, if they decided would be nice if it like were true. That, then, and again, maybe they still have had a problem. But if everyone knew in this company, our purpose is to make safe, sexy cars that thrill. That then everything would have been true. Is it going to make it safer? Is it going to make it sexier? Is it going to make it more thrilling? Is it going to do all that? And if that had been their mantra, but instead they had this meaningless mission statement. And so, you know, in the book I talk about, you know, purpose, mission, and vision. And certainly you can craft all three. But what I'll tell you is if you have a really effective noble purpose statement, and the words noble are really clear, it is how are we going to affect the lives of our customers? How are we going to make a difference? If you have that, you don't need anything else. That's enough. I totally agree. I was just in uh, Chicago and and uh, visiting with the um, uh, HCSC Health uh, Healthcare Services Corp, and um, they had done a lot of work recently. My, my uh, colleague, a co-author of mine, actually, is uh, 
the head of human resources there, Nazneen Razi, and they had crafted a, a, a purpose statement and they got rid of all this other stuff and it just flashes and you walk in and you go, wow, now, just just incredible, you know, about making sure that everybody has, uh, you know, lives a healthy life. And uh, there were other things in it, but it's a one one line sentence that just That's what it should be. really has great impact. Yeah, really? I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Really plain language. And what happens is what people want to do is they want to do what I call kitchen sink and they want to throw everything in. And, oh, we need right. to include this market. We need to include that. And it becomes meaningless. One of my favorite noble purpose statements, and we call it an NSP, a noble sales purpose. Noble because it is in the service of others. Sale because it is about the services or products that you provide in a commercial environment, and purpose because it's your reason for being. And one of my absolute favorite ones was I worked with the Orange County Courts, and their NSP is we unclog the wheels of justice. Wow, that's great. I love that. I love it. I love that. That's really true. court system by everyone. In the country. In in America. That's really terrific. and the thing is, so you imagine them, because one of the things a good noble purpose statement or NSP will do for you is it becomes a filter for making better decisions. And so when they're yeah, sitting absolutely. in your leadership meeting, they say, is this going to unclog the wheels of justice? Is this the best way we can unclog the wheels of justice? Will this provide more or less justice? Will it unclog it or will it clog it? And okay. so it, it, it's this litmus test. And you can't do that if you have, we want to be the number one provider. Right. and do, Actually, Jack uh, Welsh started that, you know, what number one or number two in, in, in markets. But Lisa, I can see why. I can't wait for your new book to come out. Um, dying to get a copy of it. And um so I'm um, taking from this and everybody who's listening, find your purpose first and dump your vision statement or your mission statement unless it lines up in the way that, that Lisa was articulating it. Lisa, thanks so much for being on the show. I, I'm really uh, so pleased to have you. Um, and we'll talk again after your next book comes out. Great. And thanks next for your purpose. Oh, yes, absolutely. Next month, uh, we are doing neuroscience month. And we will be having a series of uh, individuals talking about the science of leadership, the neuroscience of leadership, brain-based leadership exercises, how you really get in touch with your the, the bias and the bias that drives decisions and, and drives relationships and inclusion. It's going to be an exciting month. Uh, we have a number of uh, scientists who are going to be on who have written numerous books and who do uh, a a whole leadership series on how you uh, really develop leaders with the brain in mind. So I think this also helps people understand, you know, why they operate the way they do and what they may need to change or switch in order to be happier, more productive leaders. And I think neuroscience gives us a lot of insight into some of the theories and hypotheses that have been out there, some of which simply don't work now that we understand how the brain functions better. Um, And some have been absolutely supported as things that we need to do more of. So I think this is going to be a great series coming up. 
my final pitch for Lisa, if you haven't gotten her book, uh, Selling with Noble Purpose, get it. Um, look for her book coming out in January. And I think if I were running a big sales organization or a big leadership organization, I'd be having Lisa in to talk to my group. So thanks, everybody, for being with me. I look forward to hearing uh, to hearing from you uh, next week. Uh, Neuroscience Month. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 